Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. All right, if you came with somebody, give them a high five. Tell them it's good to be in the house of God. It is so good to be in the house of God. Um, I don't know if you know how, you may be seated. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I don't know if you know how privileged we are to be able to gather, to be able to pray together, to, to praise God together, to hear the word of God together. It is a privilege. It is an honor. And it is one that few people have nowadays in our entire world. And so I just want you to know uh, that we are here because we love God and we're here and we will be here. We'll continue to be here. Amen. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, how much time I have. Actually, I want to, I don't want to, you know, overstep here, but I want to get right into the story, uh, of Samson. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Samson, Samson and Delilah, right? Uh, before I do, uh, share this message, I want to explain to you why I want to talk about this guy, because to me, he's an incredible, incredible man of God. Everything people remember about Samson is his fall with Delilah. They remember his weakness and not his strength. And I don't want to sound unfair in my message. So before I say anything, I want to tell you, by the way, one day I'm going to get to heaven. He's going to be there and he's a lot stronger than me. So I just want to be, keep it cool with the guy. Right. But I, I want to, I want you to know that Samson was a man that was chosen by, by God. He was set apart for God. He had a, a certain holiness about him. He had a purpose in his life and he fulfilled that purpose eventually in his life. He was a guy who was, according to some preachers, given everything in a, in a silver platter. And I don't think so. I think Samson had some difficult inner struggles. And I believe that if Samson was here speaking to you today, looking back at his own life, he would, he would want us to learn some lessons that he had to learn the hard way. One time I read that it is of fools to not learn from their own lessons, but it is of wise to learn from other people's mistakes. Isn't it crazy? Like, it is a fool's to not learn from your own mistakes, but it is wise to learn from other people's mistakes. Well, today, we're going to do just that. We're going to learn from a man who was stronger than us, who was called by God, who was chosen by God, who was set apart for God and from God, and eventually he made some mistakes that I don't think we would ever want to make. I want you to do something with me for just a second. I want you to understand Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, King James Version says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Let me ask you the question, do you have vision in your life? What is the vision for your life? I'm not talking about sight. Helen Keller said there's something Something more tragic than not, be, not being able to see, and that is to have sight, but no vision. Do you have vision in your life? I'm not talking about, yeah, I want to go to school. That is not vision. That's just going with the average. What is the vision, your assignment from God? What is it that God has us to do in this world and our families around us? There's never been a time more dead in the history of our world for teenagers. Young people don't know what the heck they want to do with their lives. So what are you going to do when you grow up? Uh, 
I don't even know if I want to grow up. Right? Most people don't want to do anything. They feel like, they feel like their lives are just a result of what's posted on social media. It's so crazy to me when you talk about vision, people don't even want to begin. They don't even know how to start. They get lazy just at the title of, of vision. The Bible says that if you have no vision, your life loses restraint. No wonder drugs, sex, and everything else rules the young people in our, in our, in our, in our communities. Because there's no vision for them. What's the vision for your family? What's the vision for this church? What's the vision for your life? What is your vision? Without vision, the Bible says that you are dead. Literally says you perish. Have you ever seen fruit perish? That's what they call them, perishable goods. They rot away. They, they, they go bad. The Bible says that without vision, your life loses its life. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to get into the story. I'm going to try to do the impossible, which is tell you the whole story of a life of an incredible man in about 30 minutes. There's three chapters of the Bible, very, a lot of incredible lessons. And I want to just highlight some of them that I believe Samson would want you to know. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, cool. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for everything you've done so far. Thank you for our health. Thank you for the fact that we can be here in your house. Because God, in spite of all the different conditions and everything around us, you still manage, Lord, to be so good, so kind. So faithful, so giving. I ask you, God, that those that made the effort to come out today and those that are made the effort to separate the time and to log on tonight and to be able to see this and, and pay attention to your word. I pray, God, that you deliver to them, that you give them something that will transform their lives. Lord God, that through this message, many mistakes will be avoided and many great blessings can follow them. Dear God, give me wisdom. I ask you that you speak instead of me. God, would you just speak tonight to people's lives? Thank you for all you've done so far. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I got the chance to go to Florence. Um, that is um, in Italy. And I went to, to this museum. It's a beautiful, beautiful museum. It's called Galleria dell'Accademia. I don't know. It's not, it sounds better in Italian. I just said it in Spanish, right? But Galleria dell'Accademia. And, and so I was able to, to see a lot of beautiful sculptures and paintings. And it struck my attention when I came one that everybody was crowded around. Now, if you know me, I am not a history buff. I am not like, I'm not the most creative, artful person, although I could appreciate art. But I, I, I don't know how to paint and I don't know how to do sculpture. But, but this time, this sculpture caught my eye. I was dumbfounded. I saw it and I was like, oh, how did they get a picture of me? Just kidding, huh? It was the David. You guys ever seen the David? Michelangelo's David, this incredibly chiseled, like just, it, it looked like a lot like this. Oh no, he has, he has this thing. He's like, and I, I saw it and I had to take a picture of it right next to it. I didn't want to show it because there's kids here because David doesn't have clothes, right? And so David was there, this beautiful marble, incredible sculpture. They say this sculpture brings in $10 million in tickets per year. I helped towards that. $10 million of ticket sales per year to come see a sculpture. Listen to the story at the beginning of the sculpture. For 40 years, this huge piece of marble, this long rock, one big block sat there and no one would take it. For 40 years, no one would buy it. When people saw it, when the sculptures would see it, they would pass it up and say, it is too long and too skinny to do anything with it. No worthy sculpture would buy it. 40 years, no one would care for it. Until 1501, a 26-year-old young man by the name of Michelangelo, bought it. 
And he started working with this big piece of rock. And he was, he was asked, how in the world did you come up with this? How did you do this? And he said, I already saw David inside. I had only to release him by chipping away at the marble that traps him in. Isn't that powerful? He said, I saw it for what it was. I already saw David inside. I just had to remove the stuff away from it. And I believe that's exactly what God is doing in our lives. He says, I already see what you can do. Did you know that in your chair tonight, there are three people sitting on it? One is the person you are today. Two, the person you can be for God or the person you can be for the devil. Three people are sitting on your chair. The one that you are now, the one you could be for God or the one that you could be for the enemy. You have to choose which one you will be. God already saw you. He's trying to chip away all those things that are stopping you from becoming the arete. Arete is a Greek word. It's called the excellence or the excellence of the potential of what you can become. If you've been around this past few weeks, you've been logging on, you know we've been covering Greek words. I don't want to go much into the Greek. I want to tell you the arete of a man, Samson, and how he became, almost became, instead of a victor, a victim. Instead of a conqueror, one who was conquered. Let me go to the word, because I know I don't have too much time, and I want to go get some, some, uh, some of those fried quesadillas tonight. Mm, let's go. All right, Judges 13, verse 1 through 5. Judges 13, verse 1 through 5. I don't know if we can put it on the screens or not, but Judges 13, 1 through 5. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave him into the hands of the Philistines for 40, 40, 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. Now that doesn't mean anything. Just know that Samson's dad was named Manoah. And his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now when an angel comes and talks to your mom about your birth, you're important. Does that make sense? That only happened in the Bible a few times. One of them was with Jesus. How many of you guys know that was super important? So this angel comes and speaks to this woman who's barren and says, You're about to give, give birth to a child. Now this is what you have to do. It says, now, therefore, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink. No, duh, pregnant women, right? <laughs> no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Nazarite means set apart. It means holy unto God. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Three things this guy couldn't do. Three things to mark the fact that he was set apart. Number one. He was not Nazarite, by the way, it was a covenant. It was this, 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 this person that was from the birth to, to, to his death. He was supposed to be consecrated unto God. Okay. So the first thing that a Nazarite had to do was not to shave his head. Number two, he couldn't touch the fruit of the vine. And number three, he couldn't touch anything dead. He couldn't come near dead things. Now this is, I want to go back to the Old Testament. I'm not going to go through all the scripture like I said. I want to tell you his story. Just remember these three things. Because he's a Nazarite. His covenant before God was this. I'm going to use you. I'll come upon you. You will have a great, incredible purpose in your life. But three things you're not supposed to do. One, don't shave your head. Don't cut your hair. Number two, don't go near the fruit of the vine. Don't drink that wine. Don't do anything with it. Number three, don't touch anything dead. Remember those three things. They're important. Let me begin with this story. His name is what? Samson. Does anybody know what Samson actually means? Ah, you fake it. You're like, oh, addict. It actually means sunshine. That's a beautiful name. Ah, sunshine. 
I think the mama was the first one to sing, you are my Samson, my only Samson, you make my heart. I think the mom knew what she was naming the baby, saying it, right? That baby from birth was set up to smile. Man, his name was Sunshine. People around him, hey, what's up, Sonny? His name was Sunshine. He would enter into a room and he would brighten it up. Have you met people like that? The Bible talks about this guy and he is like that. He's witty, he's smart, he's always got this, this quick comebacks, he's, he's, he's bright, he's strong, I don't know how, but I think he probably was super good looking, he was sunshine, sunshine. It appears, it, it just happens that this guy's sunshine that God brought to this world came in the darkest time of Israel, the darkest time around the people of God. You know, in the darkest days, God will always supply a ray of light. In the darkest moments of your life, he will always bring a sunshine. Now, it's amazing to me that this guy, Sunshine, Samson, came at that time. I believe that God, he wants to use you as a ray of light in the darkest moments of your family, of this nation, of this state, and of this city. I know that God has light, and that light is to shine in the darkness. Listen to this. God wants to use you today. But because the enemy knows that he's going to put so many obstacles in your life, so that you do not get used by God. Instead, the enemy wants to abuse you. Let me, let me teach you something simple. Did you know that when you use something for other than its intended purposes, it's called abuse? That's the definition of abuse. Instead of use, it is abuse. I have a microphone, right? Now, this microphone may not be so cheap. I would never use it as a hammer because I don't want to abuse its purpose. If I use this microphone to start nailing things down, it is abuse to this. If I use a chair, I don't know, for fire, I'm abusing it. Am I making sense? If I use my iPad to, to, put, to prop my bed up, it is abuse to my iPad. Did you know that the enemy wants to abuse you? He doesn't want you to be used for the purpose of God, which you were created for. He wants to take your life and give it another purpose, his own purpose. That's called abuse. And listen. This is what began to happen in his life. Samson, I want to read now verse, uh, uh, let's go to chapter 14, verse 1. Then Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman. Say, ooh. All right, good, good. One of the daughters of the Philistines. Say, ooh. The Philistines were the enemies of God. They, were, they did not love God. They actually hated God. They had their own gods, a bunch of fake ones, right? They didn't care about God at all. Uh, and so check this out. It says that he came came back and to his father and his mother said, I saw a girl, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as my wife. Man, times were so much easier back then, weren't they? Come on, single people. Some of you guys want to go back to those times. Say, hey, you know what? Pastor, leaders, just, just get me somebody. Pick somebody for me. How many of you guys would agree? I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so I'm down, I'm down. It would be pretty cool. It would be easy. All right. Then Samson went down. Right, and, the, and the parents said, what? His father and his mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among the all other people or among our people, it says. But you had to go find a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. And this is Samson's response. Get her for me, for she looks good to me. Okay. <laughs> Get her, for she looks good to me. Listen. I don't care who you are tonight. Today, I have to tell you this. The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. Never be unequally yoked. Now, what does that even mean? What is a yoke? It means that you are next to somebody who's walking on the same direction. But when you're unequally yoked, that person has different views, different goals, a different God. 
It is hard enough to serve God with someone who loves God than having someone by your side that hates him. You're going to want to give and that person is going to want to say, nah, we don't have enough. If you marry somebody, if you go with somebody who doesn't love God, you're going to want to chase God so hard and the person is going to want you to chase them so hard. Listen, on Sunday, it will be your holy day, but it will be their holiday. They won't want to go to church. They won't want to do anything that you want to do. Winning souls and making disciples is at the bottom of the list if they have extra time. It is so hard, you guys, to see marriages struggle to serve God because one person refuses to pull their weight in the gospel. Now listen, please listen for just a second. I would rather be single wanting to get married than married wanting to be single. Hello. I would rather be single wanting to get married than being married wanting to be single. So today, the first thing that we see in this story is that this man was led by his eyes, not by his convictions. He was led by what he liked, not by what he loved. He loved God and God loved him. And he liked something, so that led him. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't like the person you marry. Come on now. You got to like her at least. You got to like him, right? What I'm saying is this, is that when your parents, when your leaders, when people around you tell you, hey, maybe that person's kind of, you know, he married pretty, but he ended up with crazy. <laughs> right? Hey, maybe that person's not for you. Why? Why? You don't know her like me. Well, exactly. I don't want to know her like you. You don't know him like I know him. Have you ever heard that argument? Man, I get to see the other side of it. Once they've already had the two kids, three kids, and he had kids with somebody else. Well, I got to see the arguments. Why am I telling you this now? If you already made that, that step and you're already married, then by God, pray. And ask that God will bring his conviction and his Holy Spirit upon your home. That your husband, that your wife would serve him by your side. That you guys can do incredible things still for him. That you would raise your children, not with duality, but with singleness of mind and singleness of heart and vision, not just sight. Am I making sense? But if you haven't made that mistake, if you haven't taken that step just yet, and I'm not saying if your marriage is not perfect, then it's a mistake. Everything takes work. All I'm trying to tell you is this parent, the parents try to tell him, why are you doing this? You're set apart for God. Why are you <laughs> fighting for God during the day and fighting against him at night? Why are you doing this? And he said, because I want to. In Cholo language, because I could. Samson did it because he could. Now listen, let me go a little further in the story. Actually, I want to veer away from the iPad. So I want to, otherwise I won't get through the whole story. So Samson goes, he goes to get this girl, right? Along the way, him and his parents go through a vineyard. The Bible says that they stopped. The parents went to the vineyard. Samson kept on going. Now Samson, first thing he wasn't supposed to, he wasn't taught, supposed to touch anything that had to do with grapes. He wasn't supposed to drink the wine or touch grapes, but he went right through the vineyard. I don't know what he was doing in the vineyard. Maybe he was, you know, eating some grapes or just touching everything. He wasn't supposed to be there. Now, because he wasn't supposed to be there, this is what I believe happened in the story. The Bible says that an, a lion came roaring to attack him. Now, the Bible talks about him tearing that lion apart. He treated him and just, bam, he treated him like Hulk. You know, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the, the, the Avengers one? You puny God. I could see Samson doing that to that lion. Now, we look at the story and we look at the Torah blind and say, oh, yeah, Samson's strong. What if, what if God sent a lion his way to stop him from doing what he was doing? What if opposition in our lives is not always an attack from the enemy? What if opposition in your life, sometimes is God trying to tell you, hey, what are you doing? You're not even supposed to be there. I pray that God makes you so bad at sinning that you are the worst, the horrible, like you suck at sinning. That when you try to get away with your lies, that you get caught right away. I'm going to pray that for my kids, that God would ruin them for parties. That they would suck at partying. 
That they would try to step in there and they would immediately get recognized as somebody that doesn't belong there. Come on now. That when you're there, you know you don't belong there. Like, why am I being attacked? Because you're not supposed to be there. Why is there a line in front of me? Oh, because you're not supposed to walk down a vineyard. And this is God trying to tell him, hey, Samson, sunshine. Come on now. What are you doing in that vineyard? But see, he instead used God's blessings to destroy his purpose. You know, we can do that sometimes. God will bless you with a car. And instead of using it to bring people to Christ, instead of using it to bless somebody, you use it to go straight to the club, straight sinning. You use it for the worst purpose ever. God gives you a car with a stereo. The first thing you bump on it is trash instead of putting something that will edify you. Now, pastor's on tonight. We came back, right? It's still Formation Friday. When God blesses you with someone, don't use that person for your own sinful desires. Man, build them up. If God gives you a friend, build that friend up. I'm not saying, oh, you're going to just talk in Bible code. I'm talking about there's so many ways to build somebody up. Man, there's so many amazing things you could do in this world. Like change it. Hey, man. Yes or no? So the first thing that you see is that the opposition in your life is not always a bad thing. I've, I've visited prisons. I've talked to many people that have ended up in jail. And they come to Christ at jail. Then they come outside and it's like never happened. It's called jail talk. Now, some people do change. Some people come across the line and they realize, holy moly, I'm not supposed to go down that grave. Right? That grapevine. Instead, I encourage you today to think, God, not why is this happening, but what for? What for? What's the purpose of my trial? What's the purpose of me not having a job? Could it be that you're trying to work in my character instead of just poor me? Why is this happening? Because you're lazy. Or maybe, just maybe, because you're not honest. Or maybe, just maybe, because the way you've been doing things is not the way that God wants you to do things. Or maybe that's not your job. Maybe God called you for something more instead of that. Now, I ask you guys once again, is there any lions in your life? Is there any lions in your life? Now, let's move forward. Now, this lion's tore up, right? So, Samson goes and spends some time with this chica, right? This girl. He's about to marry this girl. And in his wedding day, he starts telling a riddle. To a bunch of the Philistines. Because of course they don't like him. And he's trying to be their friend. Right? And he's trying to get. He's trying to. You know. Fit in with these guys. And he tells them a riddle. About the lion. Now they weren't there to see the lion. I'm not going to tell you the riddle. Because I don't have time. Right? And they were supposed to answer the riddle. Right? Like. And they were not. They couldn't. If they didn't answer the riddle. He was going to get a bunch of clothes. A bunch of Yeezys. I'm just kidding. Like he was going to get hooked up with a bunch of things. And they couldn't answer his riddle. So instead he came. They came to his wife and they told her. If you tell us we're going to pay you. If you don't we're going to kill you. Now the wife or soon to be wife. Ended up turning her back on Samson. This is a Philistine. Remember that. She had no fear of God. She had fear of men. And instead she turned her back on her soon to be husband. This guy got so mad that they answered the riddle, understanding that she had betrayed him because no one else would have known. She knew she was the only one. Not even his parents knew. Now listen, okay? Listen to this. He got so mad, he got a bunch of foxes. He turned, set them on fire and sent them through the vineyards. Burnt their entire stock. All the food that they had for the winter, they, he tore it all up. He, he really hit them where it hurt. He said, you're not going to pay me my money? Watch this. This is Samson, okay? Now, before you get bored with the story, I want you to get something. He walks away and he said, that's it. Bygones be bygones. He spent some time in a mountain. But the Philistines get really mad and say, who did this? It was Samson. He set your, your fields on fire. 
So the Philistines come and take his soon-to-be bride and her dad and burn them alive. They burned up. So Samson gets so enraged because when he comes back, these people are dead. So he starts killing left and right. He starts killing a bunch of them. Now, Samson now has a broken heart because his soon-to-be wife betrayed him. But now he's angry and enraged because of what they did to them. Samson's dealing with all this stuff in his heart. Why? Because he walked through a vineyard. Why? Because he stepped in the wrong direction. I am so convinced that no husband was ever unfaithful to his wife unless he first took a step in the wrong direction. No disciple ever turned his back on Jesus before he stepped in the wrong direction. It begins with a whiff. It begins with something so small and he start walking on the wrong direction. After this, Samson goes into, his, into his, own, his own cave. He literally ended up at a cave. He was so sad. He was so heartbroken. I, I, don't, I don't have a word image for you. I just want you to try to picture that. He's by himself. He tore a bunch of Philistines up, killed a bunch of them. So his own people, the Israelites, 3,000 men come and say, Samson, would you turn yourself in? Please, they're going to kill us. They're coming for us. Why would we have a war because of you? Turn yourself in. They're begging him. So Samson says, fine, I'll turn myself in. Don't kill me. Just turn me into them. They tie him up with ropes. They start walking him up, leaves him in a specific place. And this thousand Philistines come to him. When they're about to get there, Samson, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He ripped those, those bindings apart, those ropes, and he grabbed a donkey's jaw. And you heard this part of the story. It's my favorite side. Boom. He went all like 300 on them. You know what I mean? He started just, this is Israel. Right? He started killing left and right. The Bible says that he killed a thousand Philistines with a jaw of a donkey. And before you think, ah, come on, I mean it. I don't know if he was backed up against the wall, a good wall, right? Where they couldn't come behind him. He just started tearing him up left and right. This guy was a beast. After that happens, Samson's so tired, the Lord does a miracle in his life. Why am I walking you through his life? I want you to understand something. Stay with me. Then he ends up falling even further. The Bible talks about him ending up at a prostitute's house. And he started paying somebody for something. But he didn't realize that the price was much higher to pay. See, sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Will take you further than you want to go. And will cost you more than you would want to pay. Sin always, always costs you more. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll take you further than you want to go. And it'll cost you more than you would ever want to pay. That is sin. It'll always be expensive. At first it looks good. But it leads you down a path that'll destroy you and those around you. So this guy now finds himself so broken. He killed a bunch of people. Thank you. I have 10 minutes. Thank you, guys. Do you guys give me 10 minutes of attention? 10? Raise your hand if you do. Okay. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. So this guy is Samson, right? He now, he's, he's heartbroken. He just killed a bunch of people. I want to fast forward the story. This is where I really want to get to. So he says, you know what? Forget this. He ends up with a girl. He falls in love with another woman. Her name is Delilah. You guys already heard of Delilah, right? Samson and Delilah. That's the whole story. The Bible says that when he married her, he, he actually married this girl. And she told him these words. Listen to this, okay? Delilah said to him, this is now in Judges, I want to say 16. Judges 16. 
after this, after this, it, 16, 4 through 6, about that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came upon her, up to her and said to her, entice him and see where his great strength lies and how we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound to afflict you. Now, if a girl tells you, tell me how I can make you fall, that's a problem. That is dangerous. And he just pretended like he didn't hear it. He played with sin. He's like, all right, I'm going to tell you. And he told her one thing and it wasn't true. Oh, you got to bind me with, I don't know, you know, you know, with, with uh, fresh, fresh vines from something. Tore him right off. Oh, you got to bind me with leather vine. Tore him up. Oh, you got to bind me with silver thing. Tore him up. Bronze shekels tore him up until finally Delilah starts crying. The Bible says that she began to weep. Judges 16, 19, 21. She made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains. And he was grinding in the prison. This is insane. The first thing that happened is that he flirted with sin. Then he lied to himself. He thought that he can get away like every other time. Listen to me, please. There's a moment, there's a time of grace in your life. There's so much grace that God has had for you. You're alive today. Some of you should be dead. I'm not saying I want you that way. I'm saying you should be by your mistakes, by the things you do. I know I should definitely not be standing here. But it wasn't by the grace of God. And this man, he got away with it so many times. By this time, he had already eaten off a carcass of a lion. He ate honey of the carcass of a lion. He touched that thing. He walked down the vines. He drank wine. He shouldn't have done that. The third thing, the last thing of his covenant, he shaved off his head. And finally, God said, you broken every law. You turned your back against me. How much longer are you going to do this? And the Bible says that the Lord departed from him. His presence was no longer with him. You know, there's nothing more sad in a person's life. Nothing that can happen to you worse than the presence of God no longer in you. There's nothing worse that can happen to a person than not having the presence of God with you. As a matter of fact, that is the definition of hell itself. The absence of God. That you would say, God, I no longer feel you. God, I don't want you anymore. I find that either sin pushes God out of your life or God pushes sin out of your life. But you cannot have them both. Today is about holiness. Today is about the best of you that can possibly live. The arete, the excellence of your life. How? It is by walking in Christ. By walking by Him. Because of Him. For Him. The Bible says that without vision, people lose their strength. Let me come back to that. This guy, as soon as the enemy took him, they gouged out his eyes. They took his eyes out. I don't know if they, they burnt his eyes or they literally took them out with a, with a hook. The Bible says that he had no more sight. He couldn't see anymore. This is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take your vision away. Because if he could take your vision, he could take your strength. 
Did you know that Samson began to lose his vision way before they took his eyes out? He lost his vision the moment he began to walk down that grapevine. He didn't lose his vision when he lost his sight. He lost his vision the moment he started fighting battles that didn't belong to him. Please listen to me. There's so many battles to fight today. So many battles. So many people, Pastor, why don't you post about this? Why don't you post about that? Why don't you say this to that person? Why don't you fight against this? Why don't you do that? Because I realized something, that double vision gives you headaches. Double vision gives you headaches. You ever had double vision? Can you guys do the cross-eyed thing? Like, <laughs> you were told, like, if you do it long enough, you're going to stay that way. You guys remember that? I'm like, no, you don't. Listen, double vision gives you, gives you headaches. Sometimes we're fighting against the world, against everybody, but you're not fighting the fight that God called you to fight for your family, for the lost, for your relationship with him, for your holiness. Here's one thing I know. My wife and I can fight against each other or we can fight the good fight of faith. It's much better when we're fighting the good fight of faith back to back than when we're bickering against each other. Am I making sense? In your relationship with God, when you're fighting the good fight of faith, when you're fighting forward, it is so amazing to see the power of God come up in your life. You will do things. You will be amazed at what God can do through you. But instead, Samson started fighting his own battles, his own fights, instead of the fight of God. Like I said to you, I wanted to be fair to this man because I know he's amazing. There's so much that the Bible doesn't tell us. But one thing I know for sure is that if Samson was here, he would tell you this. Consecrate yourselves today because God will do wonders among you tomorrow. Consecrate yourself today. Set yourself apart. Do not settle for the cheap, for the easy. Excellence is not being better than someone else. Arete, excellence means the best you that you can possibly be. And the enemy hates the best version of you. He wants to have you live at a level that he can manage you. Oh, let me repeat that again. He wants to have you live at a level that he can manage you. Which level is that? The average, the common. Samson no longer walked like a deliverer, like a fighter. He didn't walk like a man with purpose. He walked like every other Philistine. He wanted to simply be one of the guys. The Bible says, do not call common whatever the Lord has sanctified. Your life is not common. You are not common. I'm not saying you're not human. I'm saying you're a ray of light in the midst of darkness. Samson, who was meant to live a life of sunshine, he walked in darkness for the rest of his days. He lost his eyes. He couldn't see the light of day. And he was meant to be the sun of shine. You may ask yourself, Pastor, well, what happens if I already made mistakes? You can put the music on. Oh, I'll keep on preaching till Friday, till Monday. It's okay. Thank you. You may ask yourself seriously, because I've asked myself that question. I've been there. I say, Pastor, I've already walked down the vineyard, man. I've already killed many lions before. What if I lost my vision? What if today I feel not like, I feel like my hair has been shaved off. I feel like I don't have strength. And I love my God, my King, my Savior. Because though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. What? I thought, hold on a second. I thought you said the Lord had departed Samson's life. Listen to this. I know the semantics and I know what the Bible said. But here's what I've seen in my life and in many people's lives. God doesn't walk away from you. You walk away from God. God doesn't walk away from you. You are the one 
who walks away from him. You know, I have two boys and I love them to death. And I'm trying to teach them something. Every time we go to a park like Disneyland or anywhere, I tell them, Elijah, Jose, if you get separated from me, you don't run around trying to find me. You stay there. And you scream, dad, dad, dad. And you go to a lady. I say, well, I don't know why a lady. I just trust ladies more. You go to a mom and you say, hey, hey, can you call my dad? Now, I always put a little piece of tape with my phone number on their shirt. I advise you guys, moms and dads, to do that. I tell them, you stay there. You don't run everywhere. Because then I can't find you. You stay where you last saw me. And you remain. And you say, dad, dad. So that I can hear you and I will come and get you. And this is my God. This is my king. This is my God to Samson. Samson was tore up. He was grinding. Because that's what sin will do to you. Sin will take your vision. Sin will take your strength. And sin will grind you down. He was nothing. He was shaved. He was mockery to the enemy. You know what Samson did? He said, dad, dad, dad. And I think God heard him from heaven. He said, I, I hear you, son. And he said, God, give me the strength one more time. And the Bible says that his hair began to grow back. And I love it. I wish I was there to see his head. Because I don't think the power is in the hair. Of course it isn't. The power is in the cry. Dad, dad, dad. And the Bible says that God came upon him yet one more time. And he was standing against his pillars. Everybody was making fun of him. And he started pushing. The Bible says that he started pushing against these two pillars. And you could hear the rumble. Now they were partying up so hard. The enemy was just having a blast. Drunk, not caring. I love this. Because while he was there pushing, the walls began to crumble. The ceiling began to fall. And the Bible says that Samson did more damage to the enemy in that instance than in his entire life. Did you know that the Philistines never again were able to conquer Israel in their history? Never again in the history of the nation of Israel had they been conquered again by the Philistines. From that moment on, he met his purpose. Even though he had a rough, terrible life, many mistakes he's made. But he said, Dad, Dad, Dad. And the walls came down. Why am I telling you this simple and beautiful story? Because I believe that every single one of you here have to recover your vision, your strength, your calling, and your holiness. Cry out to God. This is a perfect night to say, God, I feel like I've been in limbo for a long time. Some of you here, you know what I'm talking about. Or you know you're called for so much more than this. That if God was to take you today, you would say, no, I'm not done yet. I still need to do so much more. Please give me one more day. Give me a little longer. What would you tell your family if you had 15 more minutes with them? What would you tell your friends? What would you post? What would you say if this was your last week? I believe some of you would just ask for more time because you know there's so much more in this world. I know I would definitely ask. And I think God has a second chance for you. I know he's a God of third, fourth, and fifth chances. So let's do something. Why don't you stand up with me for just a second? Just a second.
sin binds, sin blinds, and sin grinds. If you know that you've been doing something that does not please God, be it attitudes, thoughts, or actions, this is a perfect time to say, God, forgive me. I want to turn my back on sin and turn my back on the world and turn my turn back to you. God, I want your purpose in my life. If you're brand new, if you're here for the first time or you're listening from your house and you haven't been tuning in, I want you to know something. God is right where you left him. God is right where you left him. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Come to me, those who are tired, tired and burdened and I will give you rest. He said, learn from me. I am humble. I am meek. Take up my yoke upon you. It is light. It is not heavy. You know what his yoke is? Come on, come equally yoked with God. This is time to say, God, I want to walk with you now. I want to be yoked with you. I want to drive towards your purpose. You know what that purpose is? Simply the redemption and the salvation of your family, of this community, of our nation. What an incredible vision to win souls and make disciples, to see the world change at Jesus' feet. There is no higher calling, no greater company you could work for than the kingdom of God. There is no greater calling for a believer than serving his Lord and Savior. I got to tell you this, the United States wants a Savior, but do they want a Lord? Samson knew what his purpose was. Close your eyes, let me pray. Dear God, I pray right now for any Samsons, any rays of sunshine today, God, that when they were born, when they were born, God, their families had great expectations. Their moms saw them as beautiful. God, there's many people here that perhaps, perhaps from the time they were born, they've been struggling. They've been fighting against the world, against their own lives. But today, God, with their shaved heads, and perhaps some here feeling defeated. Today they say, Dad, Dad, I need you. God, give me strength. Again, again, one more time, God, and you answer the same way you answered to Samson. I hear your heart, Lord, and it is for them. And God would tell you guys tonight, I love you. I've been here. You've come back. Let's walk together. It's time to live out your purpose. It's time. The world may be on pause, but you and I are not. We keep on going. We keep on marching. We're going to conquer more than we've ever seen. In these days of your life, you will see so much more than you've seen in the rest of it. I want to tell you this. The past will not define you. It is every step from here on out with Jesus, with God, that will tell you the arete, the excellence of your life. Dear God, I ask you right now, if somebody wants to come back to you, if somebody wants their vision to return, their praise to return, their revelation to return, God, their relationship with you, God, their, their love in their hearts for you, the fire within, I pray right now, Lord, that you return their hearts to you. Why don't you pray a prayer and tell them, Jesus, I ask you to come back. Please, God, come into my heart. God, Holy Spirit, come back, please. Set my heart on fire yet again. Dear God, I want vision. Come on, tell them, God, I want vision for my life. Restore my vision. Restore my purpose. God, I want to follow you and I want to follow you hard. Dear God, I ask you right now, Dad, 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 why don't you cry out to your dad? Simply take some time and just cry out to God and ask him to change you, to help you to walk with him. Ask him to recognize the lions in your life. Ask him to give you strength and wisdom. Come on, cry out to your dad. He's listening. Your mouth may be covered, but not your heart. Cry out to your God with your heart. Cry out to him and tell him, God, I need you more than ever. Please, dad, dad. And I believe that the Bible says, cry out to me and I will answer. 
I will answer. And God is telling you now, I am here. I'm with you. Dear God, I ask that you help us, Lord, to give us the strength, please, to break ourselves loose yet again from the enemy's trap. I thank you because some people here have had some good time to reflect on their lives. And their purpose is not dead. Their purpose is not dead. I'm telling some of you who need to hear this, that which you dreamt at some point is back and is back alive. God will use you mightily and powerfully. It's time to dream again. When you see your family, do not see it as a byproduct of the past. God called you for such time as this. Dear God, I ask you right now, restore vision into your children. Restore vision into this church. Restore vision to our families, God. Dear God, this is the time. Come on. God is doing something, something here now. God is doing something. He's restoring your heart. He's restoring your vision. The Lord says, I see you, my son. I see you, my daughter. I see you now. I see you. I heard your cries. I heard you crying out. From heaven, God hears. And he says, I am with you. I am here. I'm coming back now. Walk with me yet again. Some of you walked away. You walked through vineyards. And this is a time where you say, God, I want to walk with you again. God, come back. Please come back. And the Lord would tell you, now it is. Now it's happening. Dear God, thank you because this is a day and this is a time where we see it again. Listen, one more minute. Just one more minute. I believe that as the walls were crumbling, everything was falling. The roof was falling. Samson, he was so happy. Now listen, before I tell you this, some people live long lives, but they're simply surviving. They're not living they're surviving, accumulating, and they can't take anything with them. Their purpose is not being met. But Samson, as he was doing that, his purpose was fulfilled. Now, I wasn't there, but I believe you could speak to Samson. He would tell you, I came back to my purpose. I walked with my God, even at the end of my days, and I met my purpose. I died as a conqueror, as a deliverer. The attitude, the excellence of God in my life. I would 10 times rather die sooner than live longer without purpose. Dear God, I pray right now that you give us boldness, that you give us courage, that when we see people, we see them through your eyes. Jesus, thank you so much for everything you're about to do in our lives and in this church. Would you provide financially? Would you provide strength, provide health and wisdom and strength? God, thank you because we call, we're called by you to do your work in this earth. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a round of applause. Come on, let's go. Before you go, on Sunday I want to take this a little further. Not Samson, just talking about vision. Uh, you don't have to sit down because we're about to leave. But I want you guys to know something. Some people make it so far in life. Not because they're better or more talented, but because they kept their vision alive. I want to tell you something sounds so weird. I was thinking about my high school football days. I know it sounds really weird. I feel like Al Bundy. Yeah. Now listen, I got to play in college, college football, 30 pounds ago. I wasn't the best. Honestly, I just like to play. I like to hit people with my face. And so I played football. Now in my team were 67 players in Arcadia High School, 67 players. That's a lot of people. I had five strings ahead of my position, meaning five people that wanted to play my position. Now listen to this. In my freshman year, I couldn't play anything. My coach didn't let me play at all. 
My team was winning 47-0 against Baldwin Park. Halftime, and I still didn't get in the game. That was so bad. I wanted to quit so badly. I hated the coach. I hated football. I didn't want to do this. But there was a coach who was Christian. He was known as Coach Peña. Peñao. That was his name. Peña. Peñao. And coach said, Are you going to quit? He just asked me that. Are you going to quit? Now, he had a little problem with his head because he'd been hitting a little too long. He, Are you going to quit? That's what quitters do. They quit. That's all I remember. I remember everything else he said. I just I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit. Listen, out of 67 students, only six of us went on to play college football. Six out of six. Everyone else was more talented. Now, I'm not saying I wasn't. The, I'm not the best. I'm not here trying to, oh, look at this college, college ball player. I went on to nothing. I'm just telling you, I had a blast. I loved it. I played at APU. It helped me pay for many things. If anything, it gave me great friendships. Mikey, first disciple. I'm one of my best friends in my entire life. He's in this church. We played ball together. Not because I was good, but because I kept a small dream alive that I would play college football. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to play this game. And I wanted to play it for a long time. Listen, what happened to the other guys? They were more talented and strong. They just kept the dream only until it was convenient. Until it wasn't easy anymore, then they gave it up. I ask you guys this. I mean, if a non-talented, not that fast, not that big guy can just go and play college ball, it's not a big deal. Some of you guys are like, so what? I'm going to ask you guys this. What if God gave you a vision and a dream to do something that the great average could never do, but you let go of that vision and you stop fighting for it and you stop dreaming for what your family could be, dreaming for what God can do through your life, through your finances? What if God can give you the resources to really impact this world? What if God can give you a marriage so beautiful, so solid, that every generation after you will remain solid also? I mean, what, about, what if God could give you 12 disciples, just like he had? 12 that will change their life and character. And they will have the same vision. And they will have 12. That's 144 people sold out for Jesus. And if one of those 144 from your team can say, you know what, we can do the same thing that he did because he wasn't that talented. And they get their 12. That's 1,728 committed disciples for Jesus. What if that line believed what you believed? That's over 20,000 people committed to Jesus in just three generations of dreamers, of people with vision. This is why Jesus did what he did. Because he knew that, oh, he had no microphone. But his microphone was his disciples. You know why we do discipleship in this church? Because we have a dream. We have a vision. And we're going to keep it alive. It's up to you to dream that vision and say, God, families can change through me. Maybe I can't reach 10,000, but I can reach 12. I can impact a few people. Maybe I can't reach 12. I'll reach one then. All right. One's good. Then you realize, not that bad. It's actually kind of fun. I pray that you realize that God wants to use you tremendously. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Let's go get some quesadillas. Bye.